I know for sure when my son was born, I'll never forget his birthday. His birthday is Bitcoin price 2980. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the calendar date was. I know the Bitcoin price was 2980. And I'll tell you how I know this. Because very inconveniently, my wife went into labor as the, Bitcoin, as the China ban on Bitcoin started to... The terrible time to go into labor, but... So the China ban, the, the China ban happened, and Bitcoin went from like $6,000 and started to collapse. So there I was in the, in the ward where you deliver babies, and my laptop was open, and she was pushing, and I was sneaking off and, and hitting a trade. But there was that one moment where my son was actually born. By the way, my son's name is Neo Dash. <laughs> there was the one moment when my son was born, and you know, you have to do what you have to do. So I held him, and you know, I gave him some love, and I handed him over to mom, and I ran back to the screen. Bitcoin was at 3.6. I bought back at 3.6 and I missed, the, I missed the whole correction. So I think what I'm trying to say to you guys is, whatever your emotions tell you, do the opposite. Listen to the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown Show. Support for this podcast comes from Centbee. You know, interest in Bitcoin is growing rapidly, but for the vast majority of people, it is difficult to use. Few merchants accept it as payments and existing wallets are confusing and require a high level of technical skill. Centbee aims to make using Bitcoin as easy as using WhatsApp. Centbee allows users to easily send Bitcoin to friends or to pay for goods and services. You can sign up right now at centbee.com, that's C-E-N-T-B-E-E.com, to get news and updates. Bitcoin's Netscape moment is here with CentB, available soon in an app store near you. Support for the Matt Brown Show comes from Uprise Markets. Uprise Markets offers a beginner-friendly, FSB-regulated environment that focuses on providing education and prosperity to individuals seeking to reach financial freedom through trading CFD and cryptocurrencies. Uprise Markets is taking what is predominantly an online industry trend and bringing it into the bricks and mortar world of retail. You see, they are opening up branches in major malls and businesses and hubs across South Africa, and Uprise Markets is democratizing financial services in South Africa and setting the pace on the African continent. From learning about cryptocurrencies to opportunities in investing into alternative investment space, Uprise Markets lounges, facilitate training, new clients queries, support, and a comfortable spot to trade from. So visit their signature lounge located at the banking floor of Santon City Mall or visit uprisemarkets.com. How's it, guys? So this was the sixth back-to-back sold-out event of the Matt Brown Show covering the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. There were 530 people rammed into the Park on 7 household events in Hyde Park Shopping Center, an amazing venue, voted the best venue in Joburg, if not one of the best venues in South Africa, and the event was absolutely stellar. The show featured Luke Martin, a.k.a. Venture Coinist from the United States, who flew in for two events, one in Cape Town and one in Joburg, and then ran Neuner, the host of the CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader television show, the first televised show covering the cryptocurrency space in the world. This event truly did put Africa on the global cryptocurrency stage, and I'm excited to be at the forefront of connecting the cryptocurrency community in South Africa. 
And I'm also happy to announce that off the back of this hugely successful event, we are offering two new events. The first one is in Johannesburg on March the 7th. Tone Vase and Adam Meister will be joining me on the panel alongside Ran Neuner. And the next one in Cape Town on the 12th of March. So do not miss these events. These will be events that will sell out very, very quickly indeed. So without further ado, let's get on with the Crypto Trader Show. Um, so having said that, this is the sixth back-to-back sold-out show, live format of the Matt Brown Show that we've uh, done. Um, so thank you. Please give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you. So our partners for tonight are CNBC Crypto Trader. We have Ran Neuner and Luke Martin in from Los Angeles tonight. The guys will come on stage in a second. Um, and I want to just walk you through very quickly the agenda we're going to do a CNBC Africa segment. So Ran and Luke will come up on stage, and this will be kind of like a 60-minute segment. Okay, so it'll be about half an hour or so, and then we'll dive into um, the Matt Brown part of the show where I'm basically going to make this interactive. So remembering that this is a media-driven learning experience. This is actually about making you guys better cryptocurrency traders. How does that sound? Yeah? Cool. So that's my promise to you. Like, if you don't like leave here with a new perspective, a new understanding of what this space actually is and what it represents for you personally as individuals first, and then more broadly as a community. I mean, one of the key uh, sort of feedback points we got yesterday, just talking to the guys down in Cape Town, it's like South Africa has a thriving cryptocurrency community. It's incredible. And every time I do an event in Joburg or, or Cape Town, I get the guys complaining, well, what about us? What about us? And so this is the first step towards making this a truly uh, global broadcasted event. Um, and CNBC, our AV and live broadcast teams at the back have put in a ton of work to make this event possible. So the Matt Brown Show has really been based on a philosophy of um, helping people to succeed through information sharing. And this event is no different. Um, so as we said, I just wanted to highlight one thing to you. The last time that we did this event, um, in, uh, in Joburg, we trended in the number one hashtag position on Twitter. It was the first podcast ever to do that in South African media. And tonight, I want to outdo that, okay? So I want you all to keep, get your phones out, okay? Have them ready. And if you are on Twitter, uh, please use the hashtag CryptoTraderZA um, and my handle, which I'll share with you in a second. But really, the global cryptocurrency community is watching, Okay, we are live streaming right now to over 50 countries around the world. This is the first. Let's have a round of applause. Come on, guys. So what, are you, what can you expect? I mean, what are you going to leave with, right? That's the question I hope you guys are all um, asking yourselves. So previously in all of my shows, we've kind of done these like broad philosophical discussions like blockchain and what are its implications for insert your industry. Um, and, you know, again, just I'm trying to give the community what they want. And one of the key things was, please deep dive, like go deep into something. Uh, we want to know about specific coins, specific exits and entry strategies. We want to know about altcoin evaluations. We want to know about FIBs, when to get in, when to get out, ICOs, what's happening now in the market. Because I can tell you, like hanging out with... Um, 
you know, traders like Luke and ran for the week, there's definitely like men and then there are boys, okay? Uh, and the guys are making cash. And if you really do understand the space and you, and you know how to make uh, great trading decisions, I can promise you, it can really change your life. Um, and so the other thing I must say, though, is that what you hear tonight is not financial advice, okay? <laughs> It is not financial advice. My legal team has said absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, importantly, I will say, though, that um, this is a, a remarkably unique opportunity to learn, right? But more importantly, this isn't actually about me. It's not about me. And it's not about Luke, as great as he is. It's not about Rand, as great as he is. This is about each and every one of you here tonight, right? This is about your learning experience and your development. And so I'm really, really grateful again just to land that point, to have each and every one of you here, because if it wasn't for all of your support, we wouldn't be um, in front of the global cryptocurrency community right now. So thank you. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Ran, Noina, and Luke Martin, give them a warm welcome, please, guys. Thank you very much. Welcome, man. Good luck. See you guys shortly. Enjoy the CNBC segment. You are a trading master. You see trading opportunities where others see coincidences. Charts and patterns are everywhere. You can run with the bulls or be at one with the bears. So don't waste another pip and take your talents to eToro. See why so many top traders choose us as their main trading platform. Start trading on eToro today. Crypto Trader is proudly brought to you by eToro. Discover a simpler way to trade and invest in cryptocurrencies and more. Good evening and welcome to this very special edition of CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader. Sponsored by eToro, the people that make trading assets and crypto assets a whole lot easier. Tonight, we're coming to you live from Johannesburg, South Africa, where we've partnered up with the Matt Brown Show to bring you a never-seen-before crypto spectacular. CNBC has partnered up with Matt Brown and flown in Venture Coinist all the way from Los Angeles. Venture Coinist, or Luke Martin, has over 100,000 followers on Twitter. And if you're not following him on Twitter, I, I suggest you start following him now. Because this is one of those guys that's right more times than he is wrong. And speaking of Twitter, if you want to join the conversation here tonight, you can get me on Twitter at CryptoManRun with the hashtag CryptoTraderZA. So without further ado, welcome to South Africa. Welcome to CryptoTrader. Thank you. Happy to be here. Look, 2017. We start the year off at a market cap of $16 billion, and we finish at $600 billion. Do you think we'll ever see a year like 2017 in crypto ever again? I'm not sure we see the multiple that we saw this year, but I, I do think we're going to continue to see hundreds of billions of dollars flow into this asset class. How was your personal performance in uh, 2017? Uh, I think any, everyone can kind of agree here. If you were invested at all in 2017, it was a pretty good year. Um, I measure myself against Bitcoin, and if I'm able to beat that, I'm doing pretty well, and uh, I was able to do that. So I think you've set yourself up for something. You measure yourself against Bitcoin, which means that you don't look at your profits in U.S. dollars or fiat currency. So I'm going to ask you a question. If I buy a token for five US cents and I sell it for 10 US cents and I double my money, but at the same time, Bitcoin's gone up four times in value. In your books, have I made money or have I lost money? When I'm looking at trading, I'm, I'm thinking of things in terms of opportunity cost. 
what that means is if you made money on that trade in paper, uh, you might have to pay taxes on that. Um, but if you're thinking about trading, should you have actually made that trade? If you wouldn't have, you'd have more Bitcoin. At the end of the day, when you need to cash out that token, you're going to have to go back into Bitcoin, so you probably have less money. So you measure your net wealth in Bitcoin. How do you measure the total market cap? Do you measure the total market cap in number of Bitcoin, or do you measure the total market cap in U.S. dollars? Well, since Bitcoin is priced in U.S. dollars, and that's liquidity for Bitcoin, I would use U.S. dollars. Okay, that's a pretty interesting uh, opinion, because on the one hand, you're looking at Bitcoin, uh, looking at your profits in Bitcoin, but the total market cap in U.S. dollars. Let's move from there, and let's talk about Bitcoin and um, the run that we've had into altcoins. So if we looked at last year in June, Bitcoin was trading at about 2,000 U.S. dollars, finished the year at around 16,000 U.S. dollars. And it seems that now people are taking their money and running from Bitcoin to altcoins. What's happening? Why is that flow of money happening? Yeah, so I, I'm a technical analyst. I like to look at the charts. Uh, and since there's no way to really value these assets in terms of a book value like a company or cash flows, um, I'm looking at how they're valued relative to Bitcoin's terms. Uh, at the beginning of December, December 10th, uh, I made the call that uh, alts were valued extremely cheap. They had touched that support, that year-long support, and were ready to make a resurgence. And looking back December to where we are now, most of them are up about 1 or 10 or, or even 20 times. So I followed your, your Twitter calls, and I followed the call that you made where Bitcoin, where, where you called the alts to start rising. I think that was around the 10th of December, more right. or less. And I think you called it spot on, because I think from that point, we've really seen this, this alt run. What mechanism were you using to, to make that call? Yeah, so I try to keep it as simple as I can, right? Uh, I use a very simple, it's a line tool, just connecting the two troughs, or the bottoms, to the tops, and that, that gives me a channel. Uh, when ETH touches the bottom of that channel, it's valued cheap. You're, you're able to get the most alt for your Bitcoin, the most bang for your buck at that price. So I shifted the allocation heavier towards alts. They were priced fairly, and they've moved up since. Have you got that chart? Can we, can we call up that chart, and can we actually... Analyze this chart. Yep. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Pull it up here. I think the monitors are loading here. So while we're waiting, I'm just going to clarify for those guys that don't understand what Luke's doing. He's plotting a graph of Ethereum versus Bitcoin and the relationship between Ethereum and Bitcoin. And he's using Ethereum as an indicator for the entire altcoin market. So because Ethereum is theoretically the largest altcoin, he's using the graph of Ethereum versus Bitcoin, and he's calling up that graph onto our screens now. Correct. 
Um, so you touched on it really nice. I use Ethereum as representative of the entire alt market because it is the largest alt. Um, and if you look at most alts, they actually follow this pattern uh, pretty similarly. So we're looking back, this is 2016, so we're just gonna look at 2017 forward, starting at this white circle. This was the beginning of the previous alt cycle. At the very beginning of uh, 2017, January 2017, you can see them trending up versus Bitcoin. Meaning I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about, they are making uh, a higher dollar price, but they're also making a higher Bitcoin price. Back in June of 2017, this is when they peaked in Bitcoin terms. So if you would have invested into an alt or traded into an alt in June up to December, you were losing Bitcoin value for those alts. Um, I just lost it. Yeah, just... Uh, what's interesting, though, is you might have still seen your U.S. dollar value go up. So this is what I've talked with Rand about, and I talk with so many guys um, online about all the time, is the opportunity cost of being in that alt is being in Bitcoin. So if you invested in that alt, sure, U.S. dollar value is going up, but eventually when you cash out, you now have less Bitcoin, so you have less cash. If you wouldn't have invested in that alt, you would have more money. Um, the kind of hint that I got this cycle, this cycle was going to start over uh, was it came back to the bottom of this channel. So if this is the channel support, this green line, we have the channel resistance up here. This is where alts are expensive in Bitcoin terms. This is where they're cheap in Bitcoin terms. I saw us drifting down here. I wanted to, conf I wanted to let the, the chart confirm. Um, so once we did get a confirm here about December 10th, this is when I made the call, you know, be a little bit more aggressive in alts, maybe push those targets out further, um, initiate some of those longer term plays. Because if you can move your Bitcoin into alts at this point, you're probably going to be getting a higher Bitcoin return and also a higher USD return. So if I look at this chart now, we're about halfway through the channel. And Correct. what the indication is, is that we're going to break through and go towards the top red line. Yeah, so it's interesting. This is, um, this is something that I'm kind of just waiting to see. I'm actually anticipating a bit of a consolidation, meaning that this middle of the channel could be used as resistance. So we kind of saw alts. Uh, I made this call about two days ago, you know, alts, I'm going to wait for a dip. I think they're expensive now. So I just, I try to keep it as simple as possible. When they're a long support, they have a higher chance of using that support for a next move up. When they're a long resistance, they have a better chance of being stopped. Um, so we just saw it hit that. I'm going to wait to, to place some more trades or move into more positions until we can get maybe a little move down. If it does confirm past this, then yes, I, I expect alts to continue towards the top of the channel. What is fundamentally causing this, this move to alts? I mean, we're seeing it on the graph, but what's the human psychology that's driving this, this altcoin up? Are consumers looking, are consumers looking at Bitcoin and going to 250 million, billion dollar market cap? We want to try and get the new Bitcoin. What, what's happening in, in these investors' minds? Yeah, that, that's certainly happening. So investor psychology is so important to take into account. Um, especially for people that got in later, right? They're always looking for the next Bitcoin. I find it funny uh, how many Reuters or Financial Times articles they publish as, is this the next Bitcoin? Uh, I think Ripple was quoted as the next Bitcoin, and, and Bitcoin Cash is the next Bitcoin. People are looking for a cheaper coin where they can earn a higher multiple, and especially when things are trending up, they're going to they're jump on board. So today we're seeing an ICO frenzy. If you can get your hands onto any token, you take as many as you can get. And we've seen some of these tokens launch at 50 and 100 times their money. Mm -hmm. Is it not a bubble? Is it not, has it not gone crazy? Are we not in, in crazy territory? I do think it could be a bubble, um, but, but I also think good things are gonna come out of it, right? So this massive fundraising, it's gonna fundraise projects that are, are gonna disrupt other industries. Um, yes, we could definitely continue to see corrections of 30 or 40 or 50% or even greater. Uh, it's a hyper-volatile asset. Um, but, you know, I try not to think of that. I try to zoom out and think of the bigger picture. The total market cap is going to continue to go up. Looking at where gold is, uh, it's $6 trillion and we're only at $800 billion. So relatively speaking, we're still pretty small. 
So let's talk about how you make investment decisions. Uh, we've just entered into 2018, and we're going into a, a new trading year. How are you evaluating what you're going to put your money into? What, what's your process? How do you start and, and finish it off first as to how you actually invest? Yeah, so how I invest, I think of everything in macro terms. As you can see from my charts or if you follow me on Twitter, a lot of guys kind of dive into a project and say, you know, should I invest in this coin? Should I invest in this coin? And just go on the coin's website. I like to think of terms of things in terms of the entire market. So I think of them in terms of sectors. So three sectors that I really like are investing in smart contract platforms or protocols. This is the infrastructure for this whole space. Then you have privacy coins. And then after that, you also have decentralized exchanges. So you, what you're saying is the first thing that you do is you look for sectors in the economy that are going to be disrupted by blockchain. Once you've made that decision, you then start analyzing the individual tokens or where do you go from there? Yeah, so once I have a sector picked out, let's say it's decentralized exchanges, I'm going to look in there. What is the biggest player? What, what do I think has the most potential, the healthiest kind of project, the strongest team? Uh, for decentralized exchanges, I think it's ZRX. They have the most kind of activity going on in their ecosystem. And then maybe I look smaller. If, if I am looking to take a larger risk, I'm going to look at a coin that maybe has a smaller market cap. Um, so another coin that I'm looking at in there is Kyber. So I don't want to go into the specific coins yet because I want to give the guys a macro, um, a macro view of, of how we make decisions. Okay. Let's talk about the three sectors. So you, you mentioned that you're into privacy, you're into interoperability, and you're into um, uh, decentralized exchanges. Correct. What is a decentralized exchange? For those members of the audience and for those who are watching us on YouTube and on CNBC, what is the difference between a Bitfinex or a Binance and one of these decentralized exchanges? Yeah, so the biggest difference is the level of security. So right now, exchanges are kind of the centralized point of failure for the entire system. Um, the, the appeal with cryptocurrencies is you control the private key, correct? You, you're your own bank. Uh, when you log into one of these exchanges and when you keep your Bitcoin on the exchange, if the exchange goes under or the exchange gets hacked, all that cryptocurrency is gone. What the decentralized exchange allows you to do is it allows it to transform back into a peer-to-peer -peer system. We don't need Bitfinex for me to uh, exchange a currency with you. We would you know, connect to the, the decentralized exchange and send tokens that way. So there's buyers and sellers of tokens with bids and offers just like a normal exchange, but the tokens and the money never ever hit an exchange. Correct. Which means that your money is never ever tied up in an exchange. It's always in your own wallet. Or in a smart contract, correct. Great. So you mentioned that there are a few players in this game that you, that in this sector that you're looking at. The first one that you mentioned is 0x. And I think 0x is the buzzword in the industry. It recently got listed on Bitfinex. Mm -hmm. I was watching it the day that it got listed and I think it went up to $2.50. I haven't looked at it today. I'm assuming it's around $2. It's valued at a very high valuation. What's behind 0x? Why are you so bullish on it? Uh, I'm so bullish on it. And I actually spoke with a developer last night who is, who is also bullish on it. Uh, the reason being there's so many different um, other projects being built on top of it. So Radar Relay, uh, DXDY, Derivatives Platform. There's, it's, it's a really healthy ecosystem of teams already adopting that protocol. Let's talk about development teams on a protocol. So we, we're working in a decentralized model, which means that it, it, in most of these decentralized models, there's not one development team working on it. So how do you evaluate the, the strength of the development team that is, that is building around something like 0x? Uh, what a lot of guys like to do and what I also do is I, I actually just check their activity. It's sometimes simple. So check their activity on things like Twitter. Check their community. Um, you could also go into the GitHub and, and look at pull requests and things like that. I'm not so technical in, in terms of that, um, so I don't use that. But I just I want to see that there's activity going on. Uh, there's communication between the team and those token holders. Um, so those are kind of the first things I look at. So the three entry points that everyone's talking about in decentralized exchanges are Omisago, Kyber Network, 
and of course, of course, zero x. Let's move on to anonymity coins. I know this is a, a very hot topic because some people still believe that the blockchain in its current format is anonymous. It's not because we can track every single transaction. What attracts you to this anonymity sector? Yeah, so it, correct. It's, it's almost halfway anonymous, right? It's anonymous in the sense um, that you don't have your name attached to a bank account, um, but all those tokens are traceable. It's completely auditable, completely transparent, which is great. Uh, there are definitely some positives to that. Um, but in terms of sending transactions, sending certain coins, you can always track it back to you. Um, and for some corporations and some use cases, it's probably not the best idea for everyone to walk around and, and kind of have their bank account printed uh, online. So. so the anonymity coins basically hide the transactions in such a way that you don't actually get to see what the transactions are. Now, for those people who think that this is all about um, smuggling drug money and stuff like that, it's not. It's some organizations have amazing trading terms and they don't want their competitors to see when they pay the money or how much they get paid. So if you think about Woolworths buying a, a, a ton of apples from an apple farmer, they don't want people to see that they made the payment on certain terms. So that's what the anonymity coins are actually for. When we talk about anonymity coins, what are your three favorites? My three favorites, uh, I'm going to go with Monero, just being the largest. Um, something a little bit more risky and my personal favorite is going to be Zcoin, so that's XZC. The reason I like that, it has that, uh, that passive nature to it too. If you hold enough coins, you can run a Z node and pretty much earn interest for holding those coins. Um, and then the third one is going to be Z Classic, but that's for a different reason. So I must say this to all our viewers. There are a lot of Zs when it comes to privacy coins. Uh, Z Classic is not the same as Z Cash and Z Coin is not the same as... Let's talk about Monero. Why do you like Monero? I like Monero, first of all, um, because it is the largest, so it has the largest network. Um, it also defaults to private transactions. That's one of kind of the, uh, the criticisms of other privacy coins is there's a feature to turn it on or off and that a lot of those transactions aren't actually private. With Monero, it defaults. And Monero is a truly decentralized project. I mean, I spent some time with uh, Fluffy Pony or Ricardo Spagni and he, he's the lead maintainer and he misses some of the dev meetings. So it's, this is truly a project that's decentralized and doesn't rely on, the, on a single developer. Unlike a Litecoin or an Ethereum, which are actually quite reliant on people like Charlie Lee or, or Vitalik. Um, let's talk about the concept of staking coins. For those people in the audience and watching on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, who don't know what staking coins is, how does it work? So staking coins, you hold your coins in an actual wallet, um, and then for holding your coins in that wallet, the easiest way to explain it is you're, you're pretty much earning interest um, in the form of more coins. So if you hold 1,000 Z coins, uh, and you're running a Z node, you are paid. It's, it's every time a block um, is found, there's a percentage that goes to the Z nodes holding Z nodes. So they're making the assumption that if you own the coins, you're part of the network and you're a contributor to the network, and therefore they reward you with this interest payment, which is a, actually kind of a dividend as to what the network is making. Yep. Let's talk about the Bitcoin fork, the one that promises to be anonymous, because I know you're quite excited about that one. Yeah, so this is one of the first uh, Bitcoin forks that I would you know, actually see a, a use case that I'm going to use it with. I primarily use Bitcoin as a store of value, um, but Bitcoin Private is going to be coming out from Z Classic. Um, so right now, if you're holding one Bitcoin, you're also going to get one Bitcoin Private. Um, the play with privacy coins is if you're holding one Z Classic coin, you also get one Bitcoin Private. Um, so Bitcoin, Z Classic being priced around, I don't know, $170 and Bitcoin's at 15K, you can see why people are jumping in as E-Classic to, to claim those Bitcoin private coins. Just for the sake of clarity, can you give us the symbol for the Z-Classic token so people don't buy the wrong token? Correct. It's ZCL, and that's not a recommendation to buy. Yeah. 
Great. Are you tracking the Z Classic chart at the moment? Is that one of the charts that you're, that you're tracking at the moment? Uh, I don't have it up right here, but yeah, I have been tracking it. It's, it's extremely overextended. That's kind of why I said it's not a recommendation to buy. Um, you know, I got in about 10 times lower, but in fact, I do think it is, it does still have room to run. And, and I'm only saying that I'm valuing it looking at the comparable Bitcoin forks. So if you look at where Bitcoin Cash is, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Gold, they're all valued at, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars. Bitcoin Private right now, I'm taking this price from Z Classic, and that means it still has another couple hundred dollars to run. When is the, the Bitcoin private fork actually going to happen? Because I've been watching their Twitter and, and all the other accounts, and they, they're not very specific about, about a date. They, they mentioned that it's coming up soon, and we're going to have some great news, but they're not very specific about a date. Correct. So that's, that's the biggest risk with holding Z Classic and kind of yeah. waiting for that. It's the speculation that this thing actually occurs. Um, and when it occurs. So it hasn't been announced yet. So there's another privacy coin that's um, deep in the makings. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. It's the Nimble Wimble uh, privacy coin. You haven't heard about it? Well, if, if you haven't heard about it, do some homework because it is one of the new privacy coins that's coming out and it does have a great development team behind it. Interoperability. It's uh, the next big word. Just explain to our viewers what interoperability is and why it's such a problem. Yeah, so interoperability and in, in that isn't really a problem yet, but the problem that it's going to solve, um, it's kind of a decentralized exchange combining a few different things. Um, we've already seen network congestion happen with Bitcoin. We've seen it happen with Ethereum, with CryptoKitties. Um, these chains aren't able to interact with each other yet. Um, and if a project could allow them to interact to each other, uh, provide liquidity for the other cha chains, and allow you to exchange tokens between them, that'd be huge. So what you're saying is, because we can't solve the scaling problem on the Bitcoin or Ethereum network, the problem, the, the problem may go away if we combine all the blockchains and say, whatever highway has got capacity, you can take this. But today, what's happening is there's no conversion metric that can take you from the Litecoin network into the Bitcoin network or the Bitcoin network into the Ethereum network. Who are the big players to look out for when we talk about interoperability in blockchains? Yeah, so the one project that I'm most optimistic for and looking out for is WANChain. Um, and they also have an interoperability alliance with Icon and Aeon. Um, but I'm more excited for, for WANChain. WANChain, um, the ICO happened l late last year, and uh, we've all put our money in. When are they going to release the blockchain? And by virtue of releasing the blockchain, we could finally get our tokens. Yeah, so it's another one of those they still haven't released the date. Uh, judging by the way they worded their last update, um, there's a party uh, in the eight, on the 18th in Miami for that Bitcoin Miami conference. Um, it seems like they also have a big announcement, so I'm kind of watching the 18th. I want to move on, and I want to move on to ICOs because they are all the rage right now. Um, I've been following some Twitter groups and some Telegram groups, and I've seen people throw hundreds of thousands of dollars without even reading a white paper. Run me through the process of how you personally decide whether or not you're going to put money into an ICO and how you decide about the quantum of money that you're going to put into an ICO. Yeah, so I try to use an objective approach. I want to use a systematic approach that's following some set of rules. Uh, my friend Ian Bellina kind of pioneered this, this technique of putting them all in a spreadsheet and breaking them up into different categories. So you might give team and qualitative a certain category and give that a score. You might look at token metrics and look at the market cap um, you know, what their burn mechanism is or, or what their total supply is, token price, and give that a score. Um, and then I also look at another unique category, and that's the token sale process. Do they have a whitelist? Uh, is this thing oversubscribed? You get a really good sentiment or an understanding of how much demand there is for it. If a project hits an exchange and it's oversubscribed, that already means there's more people wanting to buy that token than we're able to get in. So the price will probably go up. The problem is that 
we in this room are hearing about the ICOs after they've happened or after the whitelist is closed. How do you stay abreast of what's actually coming up? Yeah, information overflow is probably one of the biggest problems in the space. Um, how I do it, I have an extensive network of investors and co-investors and teams that constantly reach out to me. Uh, one way that I would suggest is start a group with other guys in the room, maybe people that you came with, um, and, and really try to narrow down where you're getting your information. Follow guys like Ian or follow guys like you or myself who focus on this all day long. Yeah, I know also attending the conferences has got great benefits because they have an ICO pitch section and you tend to find the ICOs when they're still ra raising pre pre-ICO round uh, financing. So I think a word of advice is if, you've, if you can, and if you're not uh, full-time employed, or if you're thinking of spending some more time in crypto, maybe you should uh, tell your boss you're sick and you can go, into the, uh, <laughs> go to the ICO conferences. There's a conference next week in Miami, which we'll be covering on CNBC Crypto Trader. There's another one in London the following week, which we'll be covering again. I've spent some time with the best crypto analysts. I really have. I've spent a lot, a lot of time with the guys in the US and the guys that really know a lot. And I think the one takeout that I've got is that no one knows how to evaluate the, the value of a token. So it's, do you look at a token? Do you really have a spreadsheet that shows the burn rate? How do you decide whether the token is over or undervalued, other than the charts, which we're going to dig into? Um, so No, I, I really don't. I don't have a spreadsheet that's tracking all that information. Um, I, I do use the charts, and I use that macro perspective in seeing where alts are. Are they priced cheap? Are they, you know, is the value still there? Uh, is there good momentum? And then after that, I just look at comparable projects. So if I'm looking at something like ZRX versus Kyber, I look at the total addressable market or what they're trying to solve and maybe what another project is valued at. So, so you sound like you're applying a, an investing approach rather than a trading approach because you, you can't, there's no charts on ICOs. Do you have two portfolios? Do you hold two bags? Do you hold like an investing bag and then you hold this like, gung-ho cowboy bag that you, that you trade with? Uh, I don't think of the second bag as that, um, <laughs> but, but I do break them apart. And that's actually one thing, that's the one recommendation that I will give to everyone that I talk to. Um, and that's splitting your positions from either trades or investments. Um, so whether or not you hold two separate portfolios, that's up to you. But ha knowing the time horizon that you want to be in that position before you go into it, something like Z Classic, you know, the time horizon is really just to hold until the fork, as opposed to something like ZRX, you know, decentralized exchange is where, I, is where I want to be positioned, so that's an investment. But you got me very confused now because you told me that you believe in privacy and anonymity as a sector. At the same time, you're telling me that you've got an exit point. Now, I'm confused about how someone can have an exit point, how anyone can have an exit point. The blockchain technology is not yet developed. It is developed, but it's not yet implemented. We haven't seen the potential of blockchain. It's like, it's like saying I want to invest in the internet back in 1998, but then exiting Amazon because as much as you believe in internet shopping, you've got yourself a, a, a top. Explain the, explain the difference to me. How can you believe in blockchain, how much it's going to disrupt the world, but then at the beginning of the race, you've set yourself an exit target. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk about Z Classic. I think it's more helpful to talk about it in terms of the entire alt market once again. So going back to that ETH BTC chart, if I see us rise back to the top of the channel, um, you know, it's nice to say after the fact and looking at where Bitcoin was in 2013, you can say, you know, if I would have hold or, or all of uh, 2017, if I just would have held, I would have had a higher return. What a lot of people don't realize is the risk tolerance might, be, might not be that high. So maybe you see that 30 or 40% drawdown and right when it's about 20%, that's when you sell and then you don't get back in. If you have some kind of strategy that's helping you to try to get out at least near the top, I'm never going to be perfect. But if I can reduce risk and sell some of that near the top, um, that helps me to reduce the downside exposure. 
What other sectors are you looking at? What other tokens are you looking at? Uh, other tokens, um, also in NEO, it's, it's probably one of the, my favorite trades right now because it's probably the only one moving up. So it's one of your favorite trades and it's one of my fundamental most favorite investments. So let's talk about why it's a good trade at the moment and let's then talk about why it's a good investment at the moment. Yeah, so the setup for me or, or what hinted me onto NEO was the, the kind of the lineup of ICOs they have coming out for January. So um, I think they're going to continue to steal market share from Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum has that first mover advantage. They have the most projects, the most developers, and stuff like that. But as these ICOs and, and dApps start to get built on NEO, I'm more bullish. Great. We're going to cut to a commercial break for our CNBC viewers. And after the break, we'll take a look at the NEO charts um, and why Venture Coinist is looking at buying NEO. Welcome back. If you're watching on CNBC, welcome back. Um, before the break, we were talking about NEO and we were talking about the difference as to whether it's an investment or a trade. And uh, Luke Martin's going to call up the NEO chart and tell us why he thinks that the NEO is a great trade at the moment. From an investment point of view, I've been watching NEO, I've been speaking to the founders of NEO, and I've watched the progress that they've made. When I spoke to them earlier this year, there were just six developers. They've now got a whole team. You may recall that when they launched NEO or when Anches became NEO, etc., we had this ban of cryptocurrencies in China. And everybody thought that because of the ban of cryptocurrencies, NEO was going to die. Well, it hasn't died, and I've seen it trading at over 150 US dollars in certain of the chat groups. Luke, if you'll just show us in the graph where we're at. Yeah, once it pulls up. <laughs> um, there it is. Um, so let's dive in here. I think this is NEO. Um, so I'm not sure I actually like an entry anymore, but I'll kind of review my thought process for, for how I did pick this out as a trade. Um, and like I said, that, that lineup of ICOs coming out on NEO was the hint for me. Um, so looking at, at NEO, I'm going to zoom out here so we can see. Uh, I'm also going to use a daily time frame just to give us a big picture. Um, so we're looking at NEO, and this is the peak back here um, of NEO, all-time high in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin terms. It broke out of this downtrend. This is the blue line here. And I wanted to enter, now that, I, now that there's that lineup of ICOs coming out, this is something I want exposure to. So I didn't want to jump in when I'm seeing all these green candles. I wanted to jump in on a pullback so I could get it at the best possible price. Um, the way that I found out that pullback, I'm just looking at local highs and, and local bottoms kind of and, and shifting them over. So this is a support zone that I wanted to look for. Zooming in, uh, I think we were about here when I kind of gave this on Twitter and, and I was working with my traders and also submitted the order myself. Submitted the order right down here along support. So this is where we had support previously. It had already moved. I didn't catch it back here. I didn't want to chase these candles, so I just submitted the bid. Price fell right back down to support. We call that a retest entry, and it's moving right up along. The final target for this trade is just the extended swing high. All-time so, all high of Bitcoin up here. So. so at what price are you selling your NEO? Have you got a sell order in today? Uh, I don't have my sell order in right now. Um, I didn't think it would actually move up this quick. Okay, so before we say goodbye to our CNBC viewers, I want to look at the EDG chart. I know you're one of the, the guys that has been calling it on Twitter. For those of you who don't know, it's the casino coin, and um, they came, they've got a casino license or a gaming license. And uh, Luke's been trading the range of this coin. Yep. Yeah, Show so, us what you've been trading there. Yeah, so I've been trading this range. Uh, this has probably been one of my favorite coins to trade for the past month, um, mostly because we are already able to catch, catch the trade twice. Um, so... Previously, they were looking for a license announcement, and this is the all-time low. So when I'm looking at ranges, uh, this is the support, this is the resistance, and then we have the identical range up here. And I'm just pulling that from where there's been previous support and previous resistance. Um, so I wanted to enter along all-time low support. 
we were able to catch a 2x right here, meaning if you put in one Bitcoin, you were able to earn two Bitcoins. Um, and now once again, uh, I actually believe this exact pattern is going to repeat. So this being the support or the entry zone, this all-time high being the target. The launch of that casino is supposed to come out on January 18th. I think that's going to push us up. What happened at the green candle? There's a massive green candle which took you out of your, your midpoint. It, what yeah, happened? Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is how inefficient this market is um, in the fact that there's no Bloomberg or anything streaming all this, all this news. The way that I found out about this license is I'm monitoring and I have all this information coming to me, but I'm monitoring telegram rooms and I knew that the license announcement was supposed to come by the end of the year. Um, so I got in, all-time low support here, and this is when they actually announced the license. This is the market reacting to Edgeless now having a license to run that online casino, which is a boost fundamentally, something that you like to look at, and boosted the price up. Okay, so what's your sell level on uh, people that, that are buying Edgeless? So this is the entry level, and I actually think it could drop back down. Even if not, uh, and you were to get in now, the sell that I'm looking to set is up here. I can't read that number. It's a little bit far away from my eyes. Um, but that's the all-time high. It's the top. But it looks like it's got a long way to go. It's the top of this range, correct. It's, it has about 80 or 90% to go. Luke, it's been amazing having you on CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader. We're going to say farewell to our CNBC viewers. If you want to carry on watching this, you can log on to the YouTube channel, which is CNBC Crypto Trader, or you can follow us on Twitter at CryptoManRun, and we'll be sending you live updates. Remember that next week we'll be coming to you from Miami and from London, and we'll be covering those conferences for you live. You can catch those on my Twitter at Crypto Man Run. Until next time, trade well, my friends. You are a trading master. You see trading opportunities where others see coincidences. Charts and patterns are everywhere. You can run with the bulls or be at one with the bears. So don't waste another pip and take your talents to eToro. See why so many top traders choose us as their main trading platform. Start trading on eToro today. Crypto Trader is proudly brought to you by eToro. Discover a simpler way to trade and invest in cryptocurrencies and more. Hello, hello, hello. How was that, guys? How was that for you? Yeah, good. So um, a couple of the guys came back to me from Cape Town's event last night, and they said, please, can you show us actual trades and explain um, how to, why Luke made certain trading decisions in the real world? I follow this guy on Twitter. And I can tell you, I follow hundreds of people on Twitter. He calls it right every single time. This is not financial advice. <laughs> You're setting me up. <laughs> Just waiting for the screen to pop up. Yeah, that screen over there. All right. Um, guys, can we get it up on the screen? Um, but Ram brings up a really good point, actually. Yeah. And, and it's something that... Um, I think it's important, especially if you are on Twitter and you're following traders, or even if you're following me, um, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of make things look maybe not as they seem. Um, so as much as you uh, kind of evaluate and analyze different coins and investments, I would also be analyzing the people that's sharing uh, info. Um, so making sure it's not one of those I bought here and sold here. If someone's giving a setup before and saying this is where I want to enter, this is where I want to get out, that's much more important than, than kind of the guy saying, yeah, this coin may be 100x and just showing this big green candle. So cool. I think that screen's not working, but you can drag you can, it onto the big screen. I think. Can we put it up on the screen, please, guys? There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. There you go. Just drag it again. Just can't see it in front of me. Yeah, just look back. All right. Keep. <laughs> it's behind you. <laughs> All right, where's my mouse here? All right.
Um, so looking at XCC, this is the Zcoin trade that I was talking about, um, and this is a historical one, but um, I'll cover two other trades that I'm in currently right now too. So we're going to look at Zcoin. So I already showed a momentum trade and also a range trade. Uh, what you also see a lot of people talking about are these formations. Uh, I would be careful. Another thing on Twitter is uh, when everything's trending up and you see someone draw a triangle, um, that's probably them just drawing random lines in a chart and, and the price continuing to move. Um, so looking at, looking at actual formations like this, and, and this one's a falling wedge, but you really don't need to know anything about uh, this formation or the shape or anything like that. I try to keep it extremely simple. This red line is a resistance line. It starts at this peak, and I'm just connecting a line to this second peak and extending it past, okay? The support is the bottom right here, and I'm just connecting it to the next bottom. Um, the trade setup here is I'm looking for this resistance to break. Once that resistance breaks, I'm expecting price to continue moving higher. Um, so there's two ways to play it. You can either play it as a breakout, so you can enter the trade as it moves past this resistance and ex expecting the price to move higher. Or what I like to do is I like to wait for the retest. So what that means is this is a current resistance, meaning as price moves down and it goes back up, it's hitting this resistance and then moving back lower. Once it breaks out of this resistance, I want to wait for price to come back down and retest it as support. So a lot of times you're going to see price move past a resistance and then that line turn into support now that it's above the line, or you'll see something price move past support and turn it into resistance. Um, so two ways to play this trade. Once again, this is something that I'm holding. This is an investment for me, but it was also a trade setup. Um, what token is that? This is Zcoin. And just note that he's plotting it not against US dollars. It's plotted against Bitcoin. Yeah, so this is plotted against Bitcoin, uh, and, and just the sole reason for that, my account is denominated in Bitcoin. So if you have an account on Bittrex or Binance or any of those exchanges, you don't have a, I mean, you do have a US dollar value, they show it, but the only actual value you have in that account is Bitcoin. So when you're trading in these positions, you're spending Bitcoin to get another coin. Look at another one? Uh, yeah, let's look at another one. Um, so I'll break down that NEO chart a little bit more. I rushed through it last time. <clears throat> I know we've got some big NEO investors sitting just, yep. just over here. Uh, so once again, for this NEO setup, I'm going to zoom out and look at, the, look at the full trend here. So I'm using something like a weekly chart, and you can see how it flew up. So someone like Rand, you know, he might just buy. He never wants to think about it. And this is also something in my long-term holds, but I wanted to trade it too. Um, so Rand buys here, and he never wants to think about it. He doesn't need to look at a chart. He's, he's you know, invested in the blockchain, invested in technology, um, so he's buying and holding. You know, he has a, an incredible return here. Um, once it gets to the top, though, this is where I would draw a fib, and now I'm looking to get in. I, I don't want to buy into all this momentum. I want to wait for it to drop and try to get it as low as I can before the momentum picks up again. Um, so now Rand is kind of suffering this 20, 30, 70% uh, drop, and this is where I'm still sitting on the sidelines. My portfolio hasn't changed. Uh, what I'm looking for, you know, I, I have missed this move though. He is already up, you know, 10, 20 times. I'm looking to get in and take maybe a little bit less risk. So once I see this downtrend, I'm going to zoom in one more time. Once I see this downtrend line being broken, and it's just like the last trade, I'm just connecting this blue line here, make it a little bit thicker. This blue line, it's just connecting this peak to the next peak, and I'm expecting that resistance to hold. So as, it, as price moves down, you see it pop up, it hits that resistance <coughs> again, and moves lower. Once it breaks, it's a signal for me that we're back once again in an uptrend. We're not trending lower anymore, we're past the resistance. So once again, I'm looking to get in, but I don't want to buy into a green candle. Um, so I plotted these support lines 
just by drawing a FIB, and not to get too technical in here, I'm going I'm to walk through this really slow and make it as simple as I can. A FIB retracement is just drawing from the swing low down here. So I click here with the FIB retracement tool. I draw it to the top of the uptrend up here, and I click again. And it plots these white lines. You can see these here. And also make these a little bit thicker. So once I have these FIB retracement lines, all they are is possible areas that price will continue lower, use it as support for the next move up. It's, it's a retracement zone, a level where price will retrace to before continuing in the current direction of the trend. If you've got charting software, is there a button that you press that shows you what the FIBs are? Yeah, there is, but uh, just with the resolution of the screen, it's like right here. I just see it's, it's kind of showing. It's but for those guys who are new to charts, and, yeah. and they, is there a line that's called FIB and you press FIB? You draw the line and it tells you where the support levels are? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I'm just using TradingView, and this is, a, this is a free site. Go to tradingview.com. You can pull up any chart. Uh, so just type in, you can literally type in NeoBTC. It will pull this up, and you have a whole toolbar over here of different tools you can click. So you'll click the FIB retracement tool, and once you have that on, draw from the swing low up to the swing high, and it'll plot these levels for you. So once I have these levels plotted and we've broken out of resistance, I know that price is continuing higher. Uh, alts are continuing higher. I know I want to get in. I don't want to jump into a green candle and have it move against me. Um, so I, I pick out this support zone, very similar to the last trade, in that I wanted it to break resistance and then use that resistance as support. I can, I can I slow down there? Yeah. Do you know what that green candle is? That green candle is people going, oh my God, I'm about to miss this trade, and buying, 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 buying. Correct. That's what causes a green candle. Correct. So I, I can't see the button over here, but if I was able to take away all these drawing tools, all you would see is green and red candles. You wouldn't have these lines that I have plotted. Um, so you wouldn't really know at what point we broke resistance and, and that we were about to trend higher. So I have these lines, and if you're just looking at this chart blank, it's almost impossible to tell what, where these pullback levels are or if something's overextended or not. So you might just be on your computer. You might click buy as you see NEO rising. And then about 10 minutes later, you're going to see a lot of people selling. There's no more buying pressure bidding up that price. What I do then is as it's moving green, as these candles are moving up, there's no guarantee that I get filled, but I'm going to submit a buy order right here in this entry zone. So once again, using this resistance now as support, I submit my bid and worked out perfect. Price came down, retested this area before moving higher, and now I can ride this trade back up to the all-time high. Fantastic. Thanks, man. I just want to touch on the thing that Ran kind of alluded to, because you kind of use um, ETH to measure value or movements in altcoins. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting, because if you think about the liquidity and where that's coming from in the altcoin space, it's coming from Bitcoin. So uh, we played this little game down in Cape Town yesterday, and it's really interesting, because I think it really will help you guys understand where your profits actually come from. Uh, Ran, the game is, um, when do you make money, or have you made money? Let me ask you a question. If I take one Bitcoin, which cost me $2,000, I buy a token, the token for five cents. The token goes, so the Bitcoin cost me $2,000, I buy a token for five cents, it goes to 10 cents. I've got $4,000. At the same time, the Bitcoin price 10Xs itself. When I look at my investment in US dollars, I've got 100% profit. When I look at my investment in Bitcoin, I've got a loss because Bitcoin's gone up 10 times and this ICO has only gone up once. The question is, have I made money or haven't I made money? So hands up, who thinks he made money? 
Okay, not all that. Okay, there you go. So you guys say that if I buy something for five rand and I sell it for ten, I've doubled my money, I haven't made money. Because Sars agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the tax man agrees, and this is a really smart crowd, just like in Cape Town. Yeah. Um, but you did make money there, so it is a good trade. It's profitable, but looking at things, you know, an objective way to measure it is looking at the opportunity cost. If you wouldn't have made that trade, when you do cash out for rand, you have yeah. more bitcoins. So you're you're going to get more rent. So funny enough, I've got a spreadsheet on my on my laptop, and I, it was the spreadsheet that I initially took my money, and I I initially had a spreadsheet. I said initially when I bought, I bought X Bitcoin and X Ethereum or whatever it was, and that's the amount of money that I put in. And I call the spreadsheet the What If spreadsheet, and that is the spreadsheet that I have of what if I hadn't done any of this trading, where would I be today? How many bitcoins would I have? And I think because of the altcoin run, I've been quite successful, but. Again, for me, I measure my ultimate wealth in, in U.S. dollars, not in, in Bitcoin. Luke measures his wealth in Bitcoin. I mean, I'm, I, I think I still think about it, right? I, I have to pay rent. I have to buy food and everything in U.S. dollars. Um, maybe in the future that changes. But, but if, I, if I'm looking at short-term trades, I'm just going to be spinning my wheels if I'm looking at whether or not the value gained in U.S. dollars. If I jump into NEO or I jump into any alt when we're right here, I'm seeing the U.S. dollar value go up. And let's say I'm making you know, just a few trades a week. Let's say I make three this week, and I jump in here, and then I sell a few days later down here. I now have less Bitcoin. So even if my U.S. dollar went up, I'm going to confuse myself, and I shouldn't have been trading at all. So to Rand's point, yeah, sometimes not trading um, and just holding on to that Bitcoin and holding instead of trading will work better. A good strategy for last year would be to just hold Bitcoin. You would have made 16 times your money. You would have had no stress. No trading fees. And uh, I don't know if anybody in this room can actually call it right. Yeah. Uh, I actually, um, I gave the Capetonians a, a good piece of advice for the new guys who are trading. If you're a seasoned trader, don't follow this advice. That moment when you think that you are godly and you think that you are so good because you made such a good decision and your token is running, sell. <laughs> when you think it's the end of crypto and you feel like when you look at your blockfolio, you feel like crying and you can't breathe properly, and you, you, you can't take a full breath, you're like, and you feel like you're a little bit pale and you don't get any blood to your face, and it feels, and, you're, and, you're, and your head is telling you to get out of crypto because it's going to end, buy. How did I learn this? Um, they thought that, they thought it, I had an amazing portfolio which included Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and a couple of others um, last year in July, August, and there was some scare that hit the market. And I'll never forget because I spoke to people and they said to me, it's the end of crypto, it's a fire cell. And it was a Sunday and I looked at my portfolio. I got that feeling where I couldn't breathe and there's no blood in my face. And I, I was playing with my kid in the park and I ran back home and I sold my crypto. And six hours later, I rebought my crypto at a 30% premium. So, <laughs> yeah. the, a different story was, um, I know for sure when my son was born, I'll never forget his birthday. His birthday is Bitcoin price 2980. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the calendar date was. I know the Bitcoin price was 2980. And I'll tell you how I know this. Because very inconveniently, my wife went into labor as the, Bitcoin, as the China ban on Bitcoin started to... A terrible time to go into labor. But, so the China, ban, the, the China ban happened, and Bitcoin went from like $6,000 and started to collapse. So there I was in the, in the ward where you deliver babies, and my laptop was open, and... She was pushing and I was sneaking off and, and hitting a trade. But there was that one moment where my son was actually born. By the way, my son's name is Neo Dash. 
There was the one moment when my son was born, and you know, you have to do what you have to do. So I held him and you know, I gave him some love and I handed him over to mom and I ran back to the screen. Bitcoin was at 3.6. I bought back at 3.6 and I missed, the, I missed the whole correction. So I think what I'm trying to say to you guys is whatever your emotions tell you, do the opposite. That's where the candles and the, and, and the flips come from. When you see that green candle going up and you think that you're doing so well, sell. Because that red candle is going to follow. It cost me a lot of money to learn. Lucky I made much more than I lost, but I learned to act against my emotions. And it's sometimes very tough because you look at South Korea's banning crypto, and if they do, 50% of the crypto market's gone. Just chill. Or buy. And if you follow my Twitter, I, I, I don't use charts, but I, I certainly use um, emotional indicators to decide when to buy. My emotional indicators, I sit, I look at the screen, I feel my gut. If I feel like throwing up, it's time to buy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I want to take some questions from the audience. It's actually about you guys. So there's two microphones on, well, one on the left, one on the right. Uh, so if you want to come up, uh, don't all hoard us. So just any questions you have for, for the panel, please come up now. Okay, while we're waiting. <laughs> so there was a bit of a correction on um, the market cap for um, all coins, essentially. So the Korean uh, price arbitrage, so Koreans paying more, and then coin market cap deciding to essentially remove Korean exchange values from the coin market cap data, and that sent investors. I mean, how many of you noticed that? Yeah, quite a few of you, right? Um, so, I mean, why did that happen? I mean, what are the implications for traders? So two things happened. Um, it happened one week after the, after each other. First is coin market cap believed that. Because some exchanges in Korea had such high volume and they were trading so high that they were unfairly biasing the price of Bitcoin. So for those of you who use CoinMarketCap, you may look at Bitfinex and say the price is $13,000 and you go to CoinMarketCap and the price is $14,500. And that was being caused because the price reported from Korea was very, very high and the price reported in the rest of the world was much lower. So CoinMarketCap, without telling anybody, took away the Korean prices, which drove the average prices down even though nothing had happened, and the, and the Koreans were actually paying these premiums. So theoretically, you should actually log it because the money is actually being paid. And so people logged onto CoinMarketCap. They saw the market cap at $770 billion. Five minutes later, they saw the market cap at $720 billion, and they said, holy crap, we're not in CNBC anymore. Holy crap, the market's collapsing. And they started selling, and that caused an unnecessary correction. I think it was negligent of them, but that's what happened. Fast forward a week later, the Korean Minister of Justice, I woke up, I looked at my phone, I saw that the markets were down, I think Bitcoin was down to 12,500 or something, and it was at 5 o'clock South African time, and immediately I got onto the phone to Korea to a correspondent that I've got there, and I asked him, what the hell's going on? And he says, I can't tell you what's going on. All I can tell you is, the Justice Minister said that he believes that trading crypto is like gambling, and if it were his, in his hands, he would ban crypto. Reuters reported that the justice minister is now has a bill on his table and is about to ban crypto. Uh, a CNBC American, not us, the American followed with the same story, and unfortunately, that drove the crypto market up. I started to post a whole lot of tweets clarifying from a guy in Korea who said the following. In Korea, the government... South Korea is not North Korea. South Korea is, is not a dictatorship. It's open for business. It's democratic, and it's very capitalistic. The government is very scared of being overthrown there because the previous government was overthrown in Korea by the people, by a vote from the people. 
And so the government wouldn't do anything stupid because the people would vote them out again because it is a true democracy. And so 24 hours later, the South Korean government issued a formal statement apologizing for the comments and saying that there is an inter-ministerial task team which has been set up, and the purpose of the inter-ministerial task team is to regulate crypto, not to ban crypto. If you think about it, if you were going to ban crypto, would you set up an inter-ministerial task team? Absolutely not. And they say that by quarter two this year, there will be some kind of crypto regulation in South Korea. So that's what is what we call on, on crypto today. We call it FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, and this FUD was unnecessarily created. I followed up with my correspondent before we came out here today, and the latest correspondence from Korea is that there was a statement issued by the, by the, the presidency to say, it was, they apologized, the Minister of Justice apologized, and there is a task team looking to regulate crypto. Yes, that just goes back, and it's funny, the, the labor uh, example as well. Uh, I know people that sold on that dip, on that FUD Korea dip, and now price, if you look at it, it's already trading at about 14.3. Um, even something that I do, and I trade a lot, probably a lot more than, than most people in this room or uh, out there um, in general, is I even still try to move extremely slow. Uh, so when you're looking at something happening, especially if it's Korea announcing they're going to ban crypto or anything else that comes out, Jamie Dimon says something ridiculous like it's a scam. Um, you should maybe wait a day or two to pass. You're not going to miss this movement. This is an asset that's moved up 16 times. A lot of alts are up 30 times in the year. So you don't have to press that buy or sell button today. Maybe take a, take a day off, you know, go for a walk, and think about it tomorrow, and, and move a little bit slower. You'll probably make less bad decisions. The psychology behind that is that if you know about it, everybody knows about it, and they found out before you, and they've already sold their crypto, and that's what drove the price down. Make a rule for yourself. Never sell crypto on a downturn. Always sell crypto on an upturn. So crypto was going down this morning, and I've got a couple of sell trades that I want to execute. My hands are off my computer. I will sell the trades that I, need, that I need to sell when the next green candles come. Now, it's quite hard because you're tempted to sell. Don't. Because if you've heard the information, it means that everybody else has also heard the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't take all of your advice from social media or from this panel. <laughs> uh, Tanya, go ahead. Thanks. Um, I have a question. Around, if you've been trading equities for years, I understand that there's... You know, the principles around discounted cash flows and all of that don't apply. But Luke, from a charting perspective, do you think you can follow the same fundamentals that you'll follow in terms of equities? In terms of equities, it's just the patterns are going to be so different and everything's going to move so much faster. So talking about those market cycles, you know, they happen maybe in, in a week and that's called a crash. You know, in equities, we're looking at uh, a depression or, or a recession is 20% decline. 20% decline happens every single day, maybe across half the, the ecosystem. Um, so maybe not in terms of equities. In terms of Forex, you might see some really similar patterns. Um, if the central bank, you know, if the, if the Federal Reserve announces a rate hike, um, you know, you might see a kind of a pop in price. And you're seeing that all the time with teams announcing, let's rebrand our website. Whether or not that actually drives the token price and, and that should increase. Uh, it's such a, a sentiment-driven market that it does. So I th very similar to FX, probably not so much to equities. Yep. Uh, guys, please come up. Don't be shy. There's 500 of you in this room, so I know you have questions. Come on, there you go. Go ahead, Colin. So, um, we've spoken largely about normal trading. Trading. Do you, either of you do any arbitrage trading between exchanges? And do you have a view on that compared to trading in specific coins? I have a view. Uh, I think specifically you're talking about the arbitrage between Bitfinex, Coinbase, and Luno. Is that the arbitrage you're referring to? Oh, any exchanges, really. But yeah. 
I think you've got to fundamentally understand the reason for the arbitrage before you decide whether or not you're going to trade arbitrages. The, there's, a, there's a massive arbitrage that I know a lot of you trade between buying a Bitcoin on Coinbase or Bitfinex and selling it here on Luna. You can make sometimes up to 20% of your money. How many of you have traded that arbitrage? Come on, be honest. How many of you have traded that arbitrage? Stand up. Okay. <laughs> Where's the size guy yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> Let me explain to you what that arbitrage is. That arbitrage is made up of two components. Supply and demand for Bitcoin. We don't have enough supply in South Africa. We have a whole lot of demand. Let's put that aside for a second. The second part of the arbitrage says, if you want to trade the arbitrage, you've got to take your rands and you've got to send them to dollars. Now, for me, dollars are much safer than rands. So you take your rands and you buy US dollars and your US dollars are sitting comfy in an account in the United States. And there's no volatility in the US dollar because there's no volatility, whereas in the rand, you can go up and down. You then send your money back to Luna and you make yourself a 10% premium. But you've bought good dollars that are sitting out the country and you've bought them back into South African rands. Now you want to get the money out again. So you phone your bank and you say, I sent out my 1 million discretionary allowance. I want to send out more. And they say, no, 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 you've already used your 1 million discretionary allowance. So what I'm trying to say to you is that that arbitrage is the price that people are willing to pay to get money out the country quickly. If you watch that arbitrage when there was the race between Nkosasana, Lemini, Zuma, and Cyril, you saw the arbitrage went up to 40% at some stage. And that was because people were saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. We're going to be in Bitcoin. And we're willing to pay a huge premium to be in Bitcoin. So understand the reason for the arbitrage before you trade the arbitrage. The second thing I want to say to you is there are bots that can trade the arbitrage in split seconds. I've seen a bot execute a trade in split seconds. You couldn't even type Bitcoin and he, the bot had already, the she bot, she bot, had already executed the trade. So be careful when you're trading. Understand why the arbitrage is coming out. There, was, there are a few people here from Zim, and in Zim, Bitcoin costs 80% more than a Bitcoin costs here. But if you sell it for Zim dollars, how are you going to get your dollars back into Zim? So understand why the arbitrage exists before you go in and trade it, and then do a calculation as to whether you are willing to participate in bringing your rands back to live in South Africa and what the premium you're willing to pay is for that to happen. Cool. Just your name and your question. Mike, hi. Um, I've been trading for about five years now. I trade several million dollars a month. Um, what we need to remember is more than 90% of traders fail, and that's very important. I've learned some hard lessons. The only question I have for you, Luke, is what is your strategy around trailing stops or stop losses? Because you haven't really addressed it all, and that's very, very important for, for new traders. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm going to give maybe a unique answer, and once again, this is, this is definitely not financial advice. Um, definitely not. I, I have predetermined exits in, in terms of targets, uh, both in the direction that I want the trade to go, and then also a predetermined exit that I might get out of a trade. And this is where having that trading portfolio and having the investing portfolio separate is so important. Uh, if I jump into something like Ethereum, I don't have an exit, I don't have a stop, I really don't even have a target. That's just something I want to be in long term. Something like Edgeless, I do have a target and I do have... I have a stop, I have a mental stop. So that's what's different about trading FX or equities and then uh, altcoins here. Altcoins could pop down 20% or 30% and fly right back up just as a function of liquidity, not really as, as a function of supply and demand there. Um, so you see on some exchanges there's bad ticks. I see it happen a lot. Um, so I don't actually have my stops in there, but I do have a predetermined level. You know, if, if I do get a, a four hour or a daily close below that level, I will pop out. Yep. Go ahead. So I hear you. So my, my name is Poyan. Um, so hypothetical as well. Sorry, just speaking to the mic. Can you speak into the, the mic? mic? Yeah. 
There you go. So hypothetical. So two months ago, someone has 10 bitcoins and it's worth $200,000. Now they have 12 bitcoins and it's worth $170,000. Have they made or lost money? Lost. Made. <laughs> so my question is, shouldn't we be looking at whatever asset class is rising at the current rate and valuing our portfolio against that versus... Yeah, so, so when you're looking at Bitcoin value or you're looking at your net worth, I, I would definitely recommend using U.S. dollars. Uh, that's, that's still the currency, like I said, you have to pay rent and food. But if you're trading altcoins, and that's what most people are probably trading if they are trading in this asset class. I know there are people who are trading Bitcoin. I trade Bitcoin a little bit. But most people are trading alts when they're thinking about trading. So that's why I flip over to you know, the net worth of that account or, or the, the wins and losses in that account are all denominated in Bitcoin just because that account is denominated in Bitcoin. If you're on something like Bitfinex or Coinbase, your, your account is denominated in U.S. dollars because Bitcoin can be transferred back to U.S. dollars. Right now, Bitcoin is liquidity for all other alts, so we're in a bit of a unique scenario. As we go forward, there might be U.S. dollar off-ramps for other alts, um, but right now, it's still Bitcoin. So Look, it's only, you only make that measurement if you're trading with a BTC pair. Yeah, correct. And, and that's still 95% or higher of alts. You know, there's, there's a few now, the exception, NEO, Litecoin, Ethereum, you can trade back in US dollars. But for the vast majority of other coins, especially if you're looking to, to play some of the ones smaller down, smaller market caps, they're only traded in Bitcoin. So, Look, so what's the difference, sorry, right? uh, so what's the difference if I buy uh, Ethereum for $1,500 or for whatever, 80,000 Satoshis, if it goes to $2,000, have I not made 500 irrespective of the on-ramp. You have. So let's say Ethereum is, is like Z Classic and it doesn't have a US dollar on-ramp. So you bought it at, uh, let's, let's just call it $50 and let's call that 15,000 Satoshis. Let's say it goes up in US dollars but it goes down in Satoshis. When you want to realize that profit, you think you made money, how, are you gonna, how, are, how do you do that? You eventually have to transfer back into Bitcoin and then pull the money out. So when you transfer back into Bitcoin, let's say you put one Bitcoin in at that Satoshi price, you're now going to get back and you're only going to have 0.8 Bitcoins. So regard, you know, you're always thinking in the back of your head. I'm obviously still thinking about that too. U.S. dollar of my account. Um, but to objectively measure whether or not you should have made the trade, you probably shouldn't have if the Satoshi price went down. Thank you. So I want to ask you a question. If you're doing a lot of in and out trading, are you leaving your tokens on an exchange? Because you need to have that, that flexibility to trade. Yeah, certainly. So that's, and that's why I said that's that still one centralized point of failure in the entire system. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest risks I face. Um, and that's kind of the premium also that we're earning for taking these uncorrelated risks. Um, there's a lot of risks in crypto, and that's one of them. Um, so yeah, I do have to leave uh, an amount on the exchange. I definitely, you know, like you said, I kind of consider that money lost. I, I don't want to lose it. Um, but yeah, an exchange could go down at any moment. I strongly recommend that if you do have tokens on an exchange, get them off the exchange into a hard wallet that you keep as a hard wallet. I've seen too many stories of exchanges closing down or accounts hacked, and there's no one to talk to. Uh, Binance and Bitfinex don't have a helpline. You can't call them like you call your bank manager and say, look, somebody took money out of my account. There's, no one answers the phone. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so as little as possible yeah. on the exchange. Uh, my name is Marco. Um, two questions. Um, the current themes, obviously, are the platforms that we're building towards uh, the support of the blockchain in the future, like Ethereum and Neo, et cetera. Um, what is the potential for the dApps that will be built on that, for example, um, a decentralized Airbnb or something similar? What potential do they have to disrupt the current incubants like Airbnb? Um, and second question, which is towards Ran, um, from his marketing background, what is his thoughts on uh, the BlockV uh, project? So um, 
Yeah, let's look at the, at the Block V project first. I'll talk, the, we'll talk about the, the, the dApps in a second. Um, I love the Block V project. If you, for those of you who don't know what Block V is, Block V has developed a, a Vatim, which is a token that sits on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And what it does is the marketing material can live in the Vatim. So it means that if you're buying a concert ticket, you can have a VIP and an interview with the artist and a personalized message and a coupon for the product all living in, in one token, which is a Vatim. So the potential of this is that if I get a Coke Vatim and you get a Pepsi Vatim and you don't like Coke and I don't like Pepsi, we can go into an exchange and we can swap them. So we start getting these special offers from cell phone companies, food companies, banks, where we can start trading special offers between ourselves. And I've, I know the team in Block V very well. I know I'm meeting them again in Miami, and we're shooting a documentary about them because they live in Puerto Rico. Um, so I know them very well, and I'm very, very, very bullish about that project. I want to move to your first question before I let Luke jump into the first question. I spent a week at the Ethereum DevCon um, last year. It was uh, in Mexico. It was a week-long developer conference. I saw 2,500 people of the smartest people I'd ever seen all building decentralized apps, dApps, onto the Ethereum blockchain. Every single business that you know is going to be disrupted. Um, YouTube is going to be disrupted, I think, by a company called DTube, which is made by the same guys that made Steemit. DTube, there's an advertiser, the video sits on the blockchain, and you get the ad if you create content, you get all the advertising revenue in the form of tokens. Very simple. No YouTube in the middle, no nothing. The same thing is going to happen with Airbnb. The same thing is going to happen with Twitter by a company called Steemit. I've seen a Facebook application where the founder stood up at a, at a conference, got up, introduced himself, and said, hi, I'm new to the Steemit platform, and earned himself $1,850 worth of Steemit tokens. So I think that if you think that places like YouTube and Facebook aren't going to be disrupted, I don't think it's a coincidence that Mark Zuckerberg published in his annual letter that he's going to learn the blockchain this year. In fact, I think that he's, he's very scared of what's about to happen because I follow the development on Steemit, uh, and the token value, I don't know what the token value is today, but I've been following it, and it is one of the most promising ones. So any business that is centralized today, and where one person is in control, history. You cover yeah. it well. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Yep, cool. I think my favorite one that's going to be disrupted is YouTube. Because if you think about how stupid the concept of YouTube is, I go and run on a beach naked. Because I'm drunk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I post a video on YouTube, and I get 1% of the advertising revenue, and that's if YouTube doesn't censor my content because they're the single point of failure in, in the ecosystem. So I don't know how many of you have ever posted to YouTube, but you post a video, you wait half an hour or sometimes a day before they actually let you advertise on your video, and when they do, they send you a letter to say, sorry, we've decided this, this content is not is, uh, is shocking content. In fact, I've uploaded my show a few times, and the AI robot is so stupid that he says, sorry, this, 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 show, this, this footage is shocking. Okay, I know it's bad, but it's not shocking. <laughs> and then, to make it worse, it costs me so much to produce that content, and I don't get any money. Into DTube that says, the video lives on the, on the blockchain, which means it lives nowhere and everywhere at the same time. No one can censor it. And by the way, any advert that is shown during your video playing, you will get paid for in full, through a token. What sounds more attractive? Bye-bye, YouTube. Yeah, there's actually a concept called DTube. DTube, yeah, DTube. Yep. 
It's a, in beta, it's very slow, it doesn't work. They don't measure the number of likes that you've got, they measure the number of views versus adverts, and it's all in money. So you know exactly what your balance is on your account. So, my, Sorry, my just question, your name, please. Thanks, oh, man. My name's Neo. Um, I'm Neo, not, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, well. <laughs> That's a Bye, Neo. Not financial advice. <laughs> well, definitely not. And it, yeah, it is. It is uh, uh, in, in my portfolio. I'm in no way um, a professional kind of trader. I don't have a professional background, although I kind of won at high school with some virtual money investing. Um, and I'm, I'm in no way very technical about it. So, you know, from a development perspective, it, it's still challenging me a bit. And my question is more on the technical side because part of um, the research that I do when, you know, looking into an, an asset is, is obviously, you know, its purpose, its market cap and all of that. But around its purpose, I, I, I want to be able to, you know, just determine whether that solution actually needs to be on the blockchain. And, and, Fine, I get it. You know, the tokens hold a value and, you know, values at X amount and you can trade or invest. But what exactly does the token do? So, you know, I, I even try struggle to, 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 to visualize it because I'm not, I'm not, you know, from the development background. So, um, say for instance, you know, I get it with Bitcoin. I get it about 90% with Ethereum. But an, an asset like Civic, um, you know, where they, you know, they're trying to solve the identity issues. What does the token itself do from a technical perspective that, that says, yes, you guys actually should live on the blockchain and it makes sense and fine, that'll boost your business versus saying, okay, fine, we get the concept. You want to ensure that, you know, identities are safe and, um, set up, you know, you could alternatively set up very strong servers, um, of which, you know, maybe the YouTubes and your Facebooks sit on and still protect those identities and, and, you know, go to the market and provide a service. Um, so it's that technical element where I, I believe in Civic's solution, um, and you know I, I think it's a good buy, but I, I still can't be a hundred percent sure that it's okay. Fine, actually, yes, that token must sit on the blockchain. Does it just really revert to one of the, you know, the the upsides of blockchain, which is security and not not being able to be hacked? Um, yeah, I just I'm struggling from the technical side. Yeah, Thanks, so Rand brought up an interesting point about uh, kind of a tip to go to some of these conferences to learn about new tokens or new ICOs. And that is a great kind of use case for those conferences looking for new investments. Uh, one, one way that I actually use them is to find investments <clears throat> that I don't want to be in. Uh, so a lot of times I go around to teams that are raising money or, or these new tokens coming out. And when you explicitly ask the founder, you know, what does your token do? Or, or you know, why do I actually need your token? Uh, a lot of the times you'll find out, you can kind of see right through it, it's just a fundraising mechanism. And if you read a white paper and you see that, that the token is really just being used to raise funds, that's probably a red flag. Uh, another really smart individual, I think it was Gil Penchena, uh, said this, and, and I was listening to him and kind of when he was uh, evaluating other projects, he said, could, could you interchange ETH or Bitcoin for that token? Uh, does it still work? Do they actually need that token? You know, is there some kind of spec um, that makes it faster or makes it easier to use in that ecosystem? Then yes, you need that token. If you could just interchange ETH, there's probably not a need for it. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I'm learning. I, I, I want to just I, I, I want to just touch on on what the magic of tokens actually is because I think okay. he, what you're saying is 100 percent right. But let's look at the upside. If you look at business in business, there are, I think seven stakeholders. There is shareholders, debt holders, employees or management, employees, suppliers, consumers, and I think so I think I've pretty much covered the business ecosystem. Now, if we look at the process of business today, the process of business today is illogical. 
Why? Because shareholders and management have different objectives. Management want higher salaries, and shareholders want low salaries, right? Debt holders and equity holders have different objectives. Debt holders want you to pay back the debt as quickly as possible, and equity holders say, leave the debt in the company, because then we can grow more. Staff and, and equity holders have different objectives. Staff want higher salaries. Equity holders want to pay lower salaries. Consumers want to pay the lowest price. The company or management want to charge the highest price. So what I'm trying to show you is that business as it currently stands is absolutely inefficient. Because all day long you have wars between management and shareholders, shareholders and debt holders, debt holders and management, management and suppliers, etc., etc. What if one token could pay everybody's salary? What if you paid your suppliers in one token? So let me ask you a question. If you were an employee and I said, look, your salary is 10 Bitcoin a month. That's your salary. Would you ask for a higher salary or would you say, I'm happy with 10 Bitcoin, but I'm actually going to try work hard so the value of the company or the token grows and therefore my salary, my 10 Bitcoin is going to be worth more. You're going to say, look, I'm happy at 10 Bitcoin, leave it. If we were to pay our suppliers in tokens, would they still want to charge us a higher price? Because if they charge us a higher price, the token is worth less, right? So what the token allows us to do for the first time in history is to have everybody's, everybody's um, objectives fulfilled at once. No more debt holders versus equity holders because everybody's being paid in tokens. So that's one use case that a token has supplied which we've never had in the history of, of business in the world. And that's going to really change the playing field because there's going to be a lot less friction in business. That's, that's the one part of it. The second part of it is I want to talk about an example of what is actually a token for the people who don't understand what a token actually is. And I'm going to use a real-life example. I'm run, and I'm not a real-life example, a hypothetical example, but what can happen in real life. I'm run, and I'm a computer game developer. And I leave my job working at EA Entertainment, and I want to go and raise money to start the best computer game in the world. So I go to a venture capitalist, and I say, look, I've got this idea to develop a game, but I need a million dollars. And what does the venture capitalist say to me? You're crazy. Cheers. Or he says, you know what? I'll give you a million dollars, but I want 90% of the equity in your company. So for my first game, of which I'm going to make a thousand games, my first one is taken 90% of the company. And I go to him with a second game, and I say to him, look, I want to start a second game. He says, that's cool, but now I want an extra 9% in your company, which means that you have got 1% left in your company because you went to a venture capitalist. So I become smart. And I go to the computer gaming uh, community, and I say to the computer gaming community, you all know me. I'm Ran. I used to work at EA Sports. I was the best computer game designer in the world. And now I'm launching a brand new game. And there will only ever be one million of these, or 100 million of these games ever played. And the cost to play the game will be one computer game token. And if you buy the computer games today, I'll give you a token at a tenth of its value. So all these computer game guys go, hold on a second. I love the, I know Run. I know he makes amazing games. I'm going to buy this token. And I'm going to hold it until it's ready to be played, because when the game's ready to be played, this token that I bought for 10 cents, I can actually sell to computer gamers for $1. So what's the result? The result is I've pre-sold my revenue in the form of tokens. I own 100% of my company, and I have a million dollars. And the next game that I want to do, what am I going to do? 
I'm going to issue a second token for the second game. And that way I keep control of 100% of my company. I don't have any venture capitalists. And the token, what does the token allow me to do? It allows me to play one game. And once that token, that game is played, the token is burnt. And there will only be 999,999 other games until it goes down to zero. And then it's finished. And we start again. That's the genius behind tokens. Okay. Um, sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, sorry, I have to get... Sure. Yeah. Okay. Just very quickly. Yeah, I was just saying, thanks for taking me to about 95%. Um, and can you get a situation where you've got um, um, a token or a coin and the value just rises on just the utility? So not, not many people necessarily trading it. So maybe XRP is a bad example, but... Um, you know, there are many people buying XRP, but then the bank's adopting it and actually using the token. Um, uh, can you then get that value to rise just based on that, which is probably going to be a bit difficult because people naturally start buying it, but can the value of it just grow just on, on, on utilization and not necessarily being traded? Theoretically, yes. Do you know of any blockchain applications that are running today and working only on tokens? Yeah, we're just, we're just not there yet. Yeah. You're buying something that may or may not happen in the future. So today, no. I think Ripio Credit Network is one of the only ones that I know today where you, people are actually using the tokens today to open contracts with a little caveat. If you don't have contracts, you can also open them using US dollars. Uh, this gentleman here, just your name, please, Eve. Or you can come this side. Come this side. Hey guys, my name's Ricky. Three quick questions um, in terms of South Africans. Um, is there any clarity on the current tax situation or the future tax implications of trading in cryptocurrencies and the profits from that? The second one is in terms of literature or study material when it comes to gaining more knowledge about trading, um, charting, things like that, where would one look? And the third one, just a quick one, um, I'm extremely stubborn. I don't know when to let go of the ridiculous amount of ripple I have. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I answer one yeah. and three? Can I answer three? Um, regarding legislation, um, rest assured that SARS wants their share of your Bitcoin trades. That's just how they are. They, they're, they're nice people. They just want their share. They've said by Q1 they'll have, a, they'll have something and by Q2 they'll have something a bit more concrete. Um, in the meantime, I think it's going to be taxed as income tax. If you, yeah, I think it's going to be taxed as income tax until then, unfortunately. Um, so nothing's confirmed but Q1 or Q2. I'm going to jump to question three. Um, in my bag, I have uh, Claritine. And that's, I use it when people talk about Ripple. I have a severe allergy to the Ripple token. And I'll explain to you why I have a severe allergy to the Ripple token. Ripple is an amazing company with an amazing CEO. And they are one of the only people on the blockchain that actually have something that is working and actually making our lives simpler and it's unbelievable technology. And I've spent time in San Francisco and I've seen it with my own eyes and I've seen testimonials with my own eyes. The best blockchain company out there today is probably Ripple. But there's an XRP token which doesn't have a use case today. The banks don't need to buy XRP to open these contracts. As far as I understand, and I've asked the, the, the founders many times, the XRP token will be used one day when they develop a consumer-to-consumer cross-border money transfer system, and then you will need Ripple tokens. There's no roadmap for that yet, and they still haven't implemented the banks. So I think, I think it would have been better for you to sell when I sold at 324. Um, if you haven't, sell. Okay. <laughs>
Uh, in terms of trading tools, and, and the best trading tool that I recommend is just TradingView. Um, if you're actually looking for analysis and stuff like that, uh, Twitter is just the best resource out there. It's, it's, and the best part about it is not just following people on Twitter or seeing what, what people are posting, is the amount of access you have in, in this community still. So reach out to the people that are posting things or reach out to teams or anything like that or some trader that you follow. Chances are they'll answer. Um, but in terms of actual literature to, to learn about trading analysis? So trading analysis, I'm sure that there's many, I think technicals are technicals, right? Yeah, I, I honestly think, I mean, there's some sites I could recommend, Baby Pips and, and a couple others, but um, in terms of actually doing it, you kind of just have to do it. Um, so maybe setting up, a, there's demo accounts, I don't know if they have them yet for crypto, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah. Cool. There are tutorials on YouTube where you can learn to do charts, if that's your thing, where people talk you through how, how to chart. Um, I just want to touch on a point. Crypto Twitter is the source of information, it's like that's the central point of all information. We estimate that there's about 550,000 crypto people on Twitter today. So pick your top 1,000 people that you want to follow and wake up in the morning and you've got 1,000 views of what crypto is doing. And it's, it's, it's decentralized, all the knowledge. It's all, cent it's all decentralized in crypto Twitter. Okay. Hi, my name is Lebo Khang. I'm a bit loud, sorry. Um, I don't have the confidence that you guys have. I'm fairly new. I'm in grade one, if anything. Um, and I'm trying as much as possible to keep up with all this terminology. Uh, thank you for trying to explain the, the token, because I was about to ask what's the difference between a token and a Bitcoin, but you just made it worse. <laughs> just gonna put it out there. I think if I were to... <laughs> okay. You're fired. I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna fast track to where I'm at. I'm one to... Um, I learn better with graphics and, and pictures. I don't really like reading because the crypto just keeps on, you know, it clips up the, you know, every second it just clips up. And I cannot just, I can't, I can't keep up because of the, the terminology that's used there and the understanding of, you know, economics and all of that. But uh, I've, I've got confidence in friends. Hey, come join this, do this, do that, do that. The next better thing in as far as by, uh, I'm concerned, through friends, uh, is the mining. I don't know if you've uh, explained it because you've not touched it in as far as the South African, South African context is concerned or, or terminology. So can you just touch on the mining bit and then I'm off. Thank so you. I think mining is a whole new topic. Um, there's a table over there with a bunch of people called Bitcoin 101. Raise your hands, Bitcoin 101. You see the guys there, Bitcoin 101? Those are the guys that will teach you all about mining. They're fantastic. They know about all the mining contracts. If we open that can of worms here today, we're going to be here for another two hours. So I think your, your best bet is to go and hit that table over there. Okay, you know. Guys, that concludes. I just want to quickly wrap up. Um, but before I do, please can we give Ran and Luke a really big round of applause. Thank you. Well done, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, brother. Cool. This guy needs all the credit. We are going to be holding more events of this nature. How many of you would like that? Okay, rad, cool. So, two upcoming events. The first one is on March the 7th in Johannesburg, and then on Monday the 12th. It's with Tone Vess. How many of you know Tone Vess? So he's coming out, and then um, Andrew Meister, okay, Bitcoin Meister, he's coming out. Very heavy hitters in the Bitcoin space. I'm also going to be holding a very, very small get-together get about halfway through Feb, um, but to get updates of no, um, or notifications of what's happening, go to my 
um, brand's website, Digital Kung Fu, and subscribe to get updates. This is where you'll get the first information as these kind of events and developments unfold. So finally, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. It's been an amazing night, and good luck out there. Matt Brown Show signing out. Thanks. <coughs> well done, my friend. Thanks, man. It's fun. It's been amazing. Yeah, thank it was, you. It was awesome. This is the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown Show. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.